You're listening to The Common Good Show, a show designed to inform, inspire, and empower our listeners and entrepreneurs. Whether your goal is to live your best life, achieve business success, or foster a safe and healthy community, we bring you a holistic approach. And now, here's your host, Juanita Farrow. Welcome to The Common Good Show with Juanita a show where we inform, inspire, and empower our businesses, our communities, and people just like you. Well, I am really, really excited about the show today. You're not going to believe what we're talking about today. Uh, We're talking about educator turn Guinness World Record holder. Okay, let me say that again. Okay, we're talking about educator turned Guinness World Record holder. Um, This is so exciting. And we're talking today on the show to Mr. Jason Pryor. And I'm really excited because let me tell you a little bit about Jason's background. Jason Pryor is CEO of Mr. Basketball Skills Training, LLC. He's a former Florida Mr basketball, a high school national scoring leader, a Division I scholarship athlete, and retired European professional basketball player. And he's a husband and father of three children, nine, seven, and three. Oh, I know that keeps him really busy. (laughs) He's a licensed educator and a Bible school teacher. Oh, my gosh. Help me welcome to the show. Jason, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. So gracious there. Wow. Sometimes I forget all that stuff. (laughs) What an accomplishment. Oh, my gosh. You know, um, before we get into the Guinness World Record holder, uh, there's Mm -hmm. so many questions I want to ask you because, you know, it's it's like, you know, waking up one morning and thinking, you know, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or something (laughs) like that. I mean, it's such a huge, huge um, undertaking just to understand, um, you know, what you needed to do in order to get to that place. But I want to start, I like to start with some basics. Um, you had to love basketball. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about your how you fell in love with basketball. Sure, sure. So it started uh, actually around five years old, and basketball wasn't in the picture just yet. So I would say my mentality at five began to develop, which uh, actually – was a great partner when it came to basketball when I, when I decided to take that up. So it, I started off a track and field, and my father, a retired lieutenant colonel, Air Force, uh, he used to put me in races, and I would compete in track meets against older runners. So I'd be five and six years old running against nine and ten-year-olds, eight, nine-year-olds, and I would always finish second to last or last, and I would try to beat out that last guy every time, and my father would give me a medal regardless of my place. And so, you know, when I became like six, I started to figure some things out. I'm like, man, these guys are tall, they're fast. But I didn't ask the question how old they were. I just kept running and thought I needed to work harder and just, you know, maybe uh, I just wasn't giving it enough effort, enough passion. So I would try to race and race harder and run harder. And and I'd end up beating that last guy out normally. And then one day my father revealed to me that I was racing against older kids. And then when I got Mm -hmm to that nine and 10 year old age. And I started to uh, run against my own peers. 
my mental toughness was off the charts. And then it was at that point where I started to play soccer and got my footwork right, conditioning, teamwork, had a scores mentality. And then basketball came into the play when I met Michael Jordan, number 23, bald head. And so I started to, to look at that, Isaiah Thomas and some of those players, and I loved the game. I loved watching it. And so I left soccer, I left track, and engaged in basketball and never looked back. Oh, my goodness. Wow, what an incredible story. So you, you talked about um, other sports, like soccer. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did, that, yeah. how did that help you? So you played soccer as well? Yes, absolutely. So, so how did that help so- you? Yeah, soccer was big in Germany. So we were living in Germany at that time. Ah. Yeah, dad was military, mom was a, a registered nurse. And so, you know, they try to keep us busy and introduce different sports. Um, my fraternal twin brother and my older brother, we all played soccer. And it was it was really good because it introduced a lot of mm-hmm. teamwork mm-hmm. aspect. You have to play together. You can't go solo with soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, court is I mean the field is really large and you know you have to be really good at your position and there's a lot of thankless positions in soccer as well because not everybody can score so you have to be able to defend and make good passes and soccer is really good about uh, awarding the assist the person who sets up the goal because that's really the hardest part of it so that mentality came from soccer Mm -hmm and uh, the joy of that. And I, I, I like soccer. I like it. I still like it. I still played it to, to be in shape, especially during COVID. I started picking up soccer because a lot of the gyms were shut down, so we could be outdoors. You know, I, I think about, you know, it's all of this sort of goes into that mix, and, you know, mm-hmm. soccer is part of that mix of helping to condition you um, to mm-hmm. sort of be where you are now, which is really amazing, yes. which is why I wanted to, to go back to that. Um, are there any mm-hmm. other sports that come easy to you? Oh, my goodness, you're just an athlete at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball, that was another one I played. Oh, my I'm goodness. Shortstop pitcher. I was in the uh, Little League World Series in Germany. I was uh, I represented Ramstein Air Force Base Air Force Base as the starting pitcher. So I was the all one of the all stars on the on the American teams there. And we play I remember we played Saudi Arabia in the first round and I got rocked. Like I thought I was the stuff and they destroyed <laughs> me. Oh, so baseball was pretty humbling when you know you played against guys who played all year round. I didn't play all year round like some of those European teams. But uh, baseball was another one, um, volleyball, and, and I, I guess it's just show me the rules and I'll learn, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of how it happens. Well, and I think some of that inherent in you, um, just the, the ability to want to take on something that you haven't done before, maybe, um, yeah. and, try, and try to excel at it. So I'm, I'm just establishing that mindset. <laughs> Of what mm-hmm. it takes to become a Guinness World Record holder, you know, I'm just still like in awe there. Um, but all mm-hmm. of this sort of goes into into that mix. Wow. So, what are some yes. of your other basketball accomplishments? Yeah. So, uh, other than the ones you mentioned, uh, the, the Player of the Year in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, and then the National High School Leading Scorer, I was also. Um, I can't remember what year, probably toward the end of my career, I was playing in Estonia, and I shot over 50% behind the three-point line for the season. Mm. Now, just to put that in perspective, 50% is usually what people shoot from the two-point area, which is inside of the three, closer Mm -hmm. to the basket. 
um, and that's considered pretty good. A great three-point shooter, mm-hmm. Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, Steph Curry, 40% is mm. the mark for a really good three-point shooter. A person who would be considered a decent, like a really good three-point shooter is like 38, 36. So to shoot 51% from three, that was one of my most cherished accomplishments because I was so efficient from deep. And uh, so that's one of the ones that really not mentioned a lot, really don't really mention and talk about unless it's – especially now that I'm kind of focusing on shooting, I can bring it up Mm -hmm. more. But I was known for a score, scoring really. Um, wow. Yeah. That that is absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh. So, you know, so you're you're at this fifty one percent. And what are you thinking at that point? You know, are you thinking at that point maybe I need to do something with this or maybe there's a, something here that, you know, I I really need to pursue? At that point I was uh invited to participate in a three point contest in the all star game out oh, there. And okay. uh, I didn't win it. It was an older guy who destroyed us all, the Young Bucks. He, I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> his name was his name was Gert Kulame, and he was from Estonia. He was, like, late 30s. I was, like, 26, 27. I thought I was going to take it. But yeah. he, you know, he actually, I think about him often, you know, uh, the shooting is the last thing to go in terms of your physical, you know, strength, and, it, you know, your vertical comes down, you get a little bit slower, but you're shot. Can mm-hmm. take you, and I think that's when I started kind of looking at myself as a decent three-point shooter because of the percentage and being chosen. And I finished third in there, uh, but I think I could get them now. I think so. <laughs> uh, that's when I started actually looking at myself as you know maybe I need to shoot more threes because I never shot wasn't a volume shooter from three. So um, I think after that I started shooting more three-pointers. And others were probably even looking at you back then going, ooh, that guy has a gift. Uh, yeah. Sure, they were saying that. It might have been out there somewhere. I think they noticed. I mean, uh, with when you shoot that percentage, then mm-hmm. yeah, people noticed. I got some, some opportunities with other teams after that season as well. Oh, wow. Amazing. Well, this is so, so good, Jason. We're going to take a short break now, though, and when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into your career, sort of leading up to the Guinness World Record holder, um, your your status there. Uh, So we'll, we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Common Good Show with Juanita, and I've been talking to Jason Pryor, the Guinness World Record holder. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Common Good Show with Juanita, and I'm talking to Jason Pryor, who is the Guinness World Record Holder. Um, Jason is also the CEO of Mr. Basketball Skills Training, LLC. Welcome back, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. I want to ask you about your professional career. So you played for the uh, European European professional basketball. What was that like? I mean, what what countries did you play? And, and, And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it was an amazing time. I'd say mm-hmm. priceless. I, I I look back and think back to all the different places I was able to visit, the different cultures I was able to uh, mesh with and, and, and to learn from. And it was 
awesome. My first job, I began in Iceland, and I never thought I'd be in Iceland. <laughs> That's where <laughs> wow. I started. And uh, it, was, it was really fun. Um, everybody there was really hospitable, and mm-hmm. I had a great couple of seasons there. I also played in Holland, a oh. uh, town called Zvola, where the bicycles were on the road more than the vehicles. Ooh. So that was something that was really neat to see all those lanes for bicycles and most people not driving um, because they really ride those bikes out there. Uh, played in Ireland, some of the greenest pastures I've ever seen with my own eyes. I was in Cork, Ireland. Uh, played there, was there through the mm. holidays, and that was very interesting. And then went out to France. I was in South France as well, Poland, Estonia, Latvia. And so those were some of the places. Wow. Wow. That's, that is truly amazing. So you, um, how long did you play um, European professional ball? How many years? Seven years. Was out seven there for years. Seven. Wow. Got to do a lot of travel, meet a lot of great people, probably experience a lot of good food. Uh, oh, what yes. an experience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, one of the things, um, I know we've talked a little bit about your, your soccer, um, doing your playing career, um, and now, you know, from soccer to shooting. So was it basically just your journey in shooting that sort of, you know, that became it? You know, you became the shooter and you just took that forward. Yes. Um, in high school, my assistant coach used to ask me why I didn't shoot more threes because I would oh. shoot – maybe two or three a game, and uh, I just didn't see the value in it. It was a long <laughs> shot, and uh-huh. I just thought if I could get to the basket, I would just say, well, I'll just pull up here or get a layup. And, you know, the three-pointer, I would take it if I was wide open, um, but I just didn't mm-hmm. like, you know, contested threes and, you know, low-percentage shots from deep. But that's how I was thinking back then. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then as I began to grow and see the game evolve, especially with the young man, Steph Curry, who has taken the league by storm, mm-hmm. uh, even other to respect uh, Kyle Korver and Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, Mark Price, Steve Nash, all these guys, really great shooters. And um, now the three-point shot is a huge advantage for college, high school, and professional mm-hmm. because you get an extra point from back there. And, uh, you know, my high school team, we set lots of state records for threes. We had multiple three-point shooters on that team, mm-hmm. a couple of teams there. And so now I see the value of it, and now I'm actually honing my skills mm-hmm. behind the arc and, and further. And I think I was naturally a scorer, uh, but now that I'm focused on the three, I'm seeing some of the fruits of that uh, now that I'm putting in the work. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I, I just... Um, you know, visualize the uh, that three pointer. You know, the the game at the end of the game. You know, making and breaking the game. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. oh, the yeah. value of that is just amazing. Yeah. So I could see yeah. why honing that skill would certainly certainly help in in, in many many situations. Wow. Oh, yes. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know that this journey you've had to. Had have a lot of family support. Um, so talk a little bit about that, your childhood, 
um, you know, growing up and what that was like and the, the support that you received there. Um, and, and also um, in your current family because now you have a family and so how, how have they adapted to your, your celebrity status here? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so that's funny. So my, uh, my family growing up, my parents were wonderful. They were great examples. They, they had a household that cultivated love, support, confidence, discipline, accountability. All of those attributes I learned growing up. Uh, my twin brother and older brother. Um, and my older brother is now currently the head coach at Merchant Marine Academy. He just got coach of the year this year. So congratulations to Rob Pryor out there. Oh, and, awesome. Yes. And so just them making sure that we treat each other with respect and they allowed us to compete with one another and have rivalries and learn. And, and that support um, is where I got my confidence from. And so confidence, mm -hmm. a lot of people think it comes from within, mm -hmm. which a small percentage of it does, but it's really, you know, those around you. Mm -hmm. That is where your confidence comes from because it's like if you fail or you have a bad um, outcome, then you have that support system to redirect you or help you see where you can learn and, and go at it again. And so I always had that growing up, which is why, you know, I wasn't the only one. All three of us got Division One scholarships, didn't pay a dime for college, and I attribute that to my parents growing up and, and just what they did for us. And then, uh, you know, transitioning to having a family of my own and, and three children and a wife mm -hmm. that is very supportive, you know, very mm -hmm. important to have a partner that supports your goals and, and what you're trying to do. And from a spiritual perspective, you know, as a provider, um, you know, and, and I embrace that responsibility. You know, I'll work as much as I need to to allow my wife the freedom to do what she wants to do, whether it's stay home or work part-time, whatever you want to do. But when I find a niche, you know, mm -hmm. it possibly has, you know, some financial uh, opportunities, and mentoring and just empowering the next generation, you know, helping some of these current players uh, hone their skills. She is totally on board with that. Um, you know, she could have said, hey, basketball's done, give it up. Mm -hmm. But she is encouraging it. And, and I think that is awesome. And it's also on display for my children who are watching us each and every day, mm -hmm. how we relate. And uh, it's just going to come full circle. So hopefully um, I can uh, pass that down to my children as well. Well, it certainly sends a powerful message to your children. I mean, the teamwork that um, yourself and your wife have, um, that, that's a really good message for your kids. Um, it just takes a lot of, of working together to really be able to accomplish your goals. And it sounds like you have that, both in growing up with your family and the values that were instilled in you at that time. And, and then also, you know, doing that with your own family. So, Oh wow, this is really, really, really helpful. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy we're doing this, this show today. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about your Guinness uh, World Record. No, um, you know there are many mm -hmm. things that you could have done. Um, you've got yeah, a lot of talent there, um, but yeah, why, so. why, why did you decide that you wanted mm -hmm. to break the Guinness World Record? <laughs> well. <laughs> The, the business uh, aspect of training, and very competitive market, um, you have a lot of really good trainers out there mm -hmm. who are all-around skilled trainers, 
And, you know, I was training a guy uh, one day. His name is Mohammed Zeed. He's a sophomore at ODU. And he's a big social media guy. He learns a lot from the videos out there, Instagram, YouTube, and he's learning constantly. And he came in one day and says, hey, man, have you, have you been watching some of these shooters out here? And, and there was a guy named uh, Lethal Shooter who's out there doing some things, doing really well. Uh, and he records himself uh, in very creative ways, making consecutive baskets and, and shows videos, training professionals. And he's like, man, you can do that. And I was like, hmm, let me check it out. So I, I watched some of his stuff and was very encouraged by, you know, his ability to demonstrate as well as teach. And that is the difference. That right there is what makes him great and anyone mm-hmm. else who would want to aspire with anything. I mean, if you can mm-hmm. do it as well as teach it, you're going to have a lot more success mm-hmm. uh, than the one who can just teach it. So I started looking at some ways to separate myself. Um, other than Mr. Basketball and scoring leader, I said, why not see what the people in the world are doing, the best shooters in the world? What are they doing? So I looked up a couple records, and uh, I shot for them, literally. And, you know, I was successful with one of them. That is what I want to do to continue to separate myself as far as being able to appear at basketball camps, hopefully be sponsored by, like, an Under Armour or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have some ideas uh, out here around shooting, but um, that's why I went for it, is really to have brand recognition as far as accomplishments and something that, you know, to say, hey, I'm one of the best shooters in the world. Well, that's bound to get attention there. So, uh, you know, in terms of branding, in terms of sponsors, I mean, that's what they're looking for. You just got to get your message out there because this is, I mean, it's just an awesome accomplishment. And I want to talk more about that because, you know, it, it had to take a lot of just the, the mental positioning, um, you know, to, to be able to accomplish something like that. And, and then I know the whole process that you have to go through. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, um, as far as the record and, and how to... Yes, yes, the record. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So when you see those records out there, a lot of times uh, you're like, ah, you know, that, that can't be that hard to do. Um, you know, that's just the athlete and some of the ego in us. And and then you start, you know, shooting around, and this is the most threes in one minute getting your own rebound. And so you look at some guys, you know, there's some uh, Harlem Globetrotter guys that got 10, and then a guy named Casey Fowler got 11. And so before I actually put the clock to it, like that 60 seconds, I said, you know, let me just shoot around and see how many I can get in a row. So I was getting like eight and nine in a row mm-hmm. and, you know, get to 10 every now and then. I said, man, I can get this. Now, what I didn't know is that you cannot miss a shot. Mm-hmm. When you put the clock to it, it has to be consecutive in order to get 11 or 12. And so that was uh, that's when I said, okay, this is a legit record. This is actually a shooter's record. If you can do this, not only do you have to get 12 in a row to beat the 11, but you have to run get a ball, and then sprint back behind that three-point line, lock in, make it, and you have to speed up the pace and the mental toughness to know that if you miss one, let's say you hit six in a row and you miss one, you're not, that's it. you got to start over. So if you See, miss that, your first that- shot. Right, that yeah. right there. <laughs> I mean, I think just that alone, you know, the idea that in order for me to get this, I cannot miss one shot at all. Correct. 
in that minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there, just under, just knowing that. So, yeah. so here you are. You, you you practice, I guess, a lot before, and then and then what mm-hmm. happens in the process where you have to have um, someone there who can um, validate what you you or witness what you've done. Talk talk a little bit about that process. Sure. So, uh, in order to uh, be approved, mm-hmm. uh, Guinness has some very high standards to approve mm-hmm. that record. One is you could purchase for a good price one of their representatives to be there physically. Uh, while you break it, and then it's approved basically that day. But it's pretty costly, and depending on the record, you know, you may not want to invest because if you have a bad day shooting, you know, you've paid this person, and, you know, you're just not going to get it. If the record was, you know, how many claps can I do in 30 seconds, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. when you're shooting, you know, you got to have a good day. So clearly I wasn't going to invest in a representative, but I did ask some of my buddies to show up and say, hey, I need a witness. So you had to have some witnesses. You had to have a timekeeper. You had to have multiple mm. camera angles. You had to have a, uh, a referee that was certified to uh, certify the dimensions on the court. You had to have the basketball you were using certified by that referee to make sure it wasn't too small or flat or and so all of those things went into the process of approving the record. It took about a year for them to approve it. A year? So you send them all this information, and they take about a year to go through all these tapes and all this information to let you know that you've, you've won this record. Yes, they reference your witnesses, the camera angles, oh, and also yeah. they get a lot of records coming in from different areas. And, you know, if uh, there are times where... I actually hit the submit button and left out something. So I had to wait another four weeks <laughs> for them to come back to me. So, you know, you have to really make sure you, you submit everything, um, you know, piece by piece in order to uh, have an efficient uh, approval. And so what do you receive from them? Do you, do you see uh, just a letter just saying that you have this record now? Yeah, so you get a, the coveted certificate that says you are officially amazing and it's got your name and the date that you broke it. I remember watching this as a kid, you know, growing up watching TBIS and some cartoons and, you know, they'd have a Guinness world record up there. And so this certificate that you can frame and, you know, and it's just something you can say, Hey, look, this is what I've done and no one else in the world has done it. Or, you know, maybe someone has tied with you and, you know, Hey, it's still yours. And, um, that's what you got. You know, there's no payment for it um, other than, you know, just satisfaction. Okay, so now tell me again, how many, how many uh, three-pointers did you shoot? Mm-hmm. How, so there was 12, okay. 12 consecutive three-pointers in one minute getting your own rebound. Okay, and then the previous uh, Guinness World Record holder had 11, was it? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you knew that you were going to have to do the twelve, and so mm-hmm. you're you're in that mindset practicing. And uh, so, did you like practice every day, or did you have certain schedules of practice, or how did you how did you do that? Yeah, so full time job, family of five. I had to, you know, really uh, mentally, uh, really get myself together. And I, what I did is I took early Saturday mornings. I'd get up mm-hmm. at like 5.30, 6 o'clock where I'd go to the local YMCA and uh, mm-hmm. Victory YMCA in Yorktown. And I would ask uh, my buddy uh, to 
helped time keep. And then I knew some guys that trained there every morning around that time as well. And so I would ask them to witness my attempts. And so I would go there for an hour and give it a try for one hour. And so there's times where I'd get close. Sometimes I'd miss that last shot. It took me about three, let's see, I think I got it on the third Saturday I went up there. So I would do it for about two hours every Saturday. Then that third Saturday, it went down. And how did that feel? Oh, (laughs) if you watch the video, I I screamed. I, I was yelling. I was running backwards as I let that last shot go, and it looked good. And then I just gave a big yes, yes. Yeah, I remember screaming pretty loud. So it felt great. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. Um, We're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about your business and then the work that you do with – you know, with those who are, are interested in honing their, their basketball skills. I want to talk a little bit about that. Okay? We're yes, gonna take ma'am. A short, great. Great. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back. You've been listening to The Common Good Show with Juanita, and I've been talking to Jason Pryor, the Guinness World Record holder. Uh, we'll be right back. Don't you go anywhere. Welcome back to The Common Good Show with Juanita. We're talking today about educator turned Guinness World Record holder. Yes, Mr. Jason Pryor is the Guinness World Record holder for the most three-pointers in a minute, getting your own rebound. Oh, this is really exciting. So, Jason, I want to talk a little bit now about... um, your business and some of the work that you're doing with your clients and um, and basically um, you know a little bit about the basketball shooting mechanics and and, and all of that so so the business uh, mr. basketball skills training LLC so tell me what the business does all right so uh, established in 2014 and what Mr. Basketball Skills Training does is it helps players from three years old all the way to professional and beyond become the best version of themselves. And so my job is to help get you to your potential, whether that is just getting back in shape or you know having some confidence when you're playing at leisure at the YMCA or wanting to be a Division One starter or to get a contract increase at the professional level because your shooting is what's holding you back. It, it makes you uh, go from good to great. And so those are the things that I bring to the table. Um, there are many other skills I can teach with the game of basketball, but shooting mm-hmm. has now become a premium because the floor has become much more spread out. Uh, it's mm-hmm. much, much more perimeter-oriented. And so I think the market for uh, a shooting specialist is is wide open and so that's what that business is i want to be a renowned and national um uh, i want to be a renowned national uh, mm-hmm. choice and and uh for for anybody who wants to grow and get better i want to be the guy for that and so a three-year-old because you work sure. with <laughs> okay when you said yeah. three-year-old I'm going I'm visualizing the three-year-old honing his shooting yeah. skills <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so tell me about that. What What do you do with kids so young? Oh, so at that point, it's, okay, you've got a three-year-old who mm-hmm. likes to bounce a ball, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of people underestimate some of the things you can teach them at that age and get them thinking about in terms of skill development and early coordination, footwork, things like that. And I actually did that this past November. I did a camp for three to five-year-olds, and it went very well. Now you're going to have some attention span issues. You're going to have some shyness. um, But you can teach them shooting form and and dribbling and, and how to spread your hands and really some basic stuff that gives them structure rather than just, you know, throwing a ball and chasing after it. And they will pick it up. And I know this. I have a four-year-old daughter who, who listens and does those things. So, yeah, wow. that young. So that was some of the mechanics you're talking about. And so I guess your approach is, is very different with uh, what, what do you work with, with professionals on? The same thing, just honing that skill? Yeah, at the professional level, there's some times where, you know, People have gotten very far in their career and had some success mm-hmm. uh, relying on other skills like athleticism mm. or their height or their length, lateral quickness. Um, and their shooting, you know, has taken a back seat. And there are times where you meet someone who's had a lot of success, but their shot needs to be broken. And what that means is it needs to be rebuilt. Um, and oh. I see a lot of players who could benefit from that. Now, you have to be very humble. You know, as an athlete, you know, think about that. You've got mm-hmm. probably millions in your account, thousands in your account. You've got accolades to back up what you've been doing. That's why it's not for every player, you know. Um, and that's why it's important to know how to shoot yourself so you can show them, hey, I can still do this, and I'll show you, you know, how. And so, um, yeah, professional players, those mechanics can be tweaked. You know, not everybody's shot needs to be broken, but it may be just one or two things here and there that can increase their percentage, increase their wins, increase their contract potential. Wow. I, I just I think that's amazing. Um, everyone has something to that they can learn and hone on, and sure. shooting has is, is become such a premium, uh, I think, mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the sport, as you're mentioning, uh, which is oh, really yes. interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. So, so help me understand, because I imagine, just imagining, especially with younger people and you're working with mm-hmm. younger people, you probably, what do you tell the parents? I mean, because mm-hmm. obviously the parents, they're going to probably think that they know more than you do. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, can you just tell Johnny that they need to do it this way? <laughs> so how do, you work with, how do you work with the parents to come up with this game plan? So... Uh, the parents, um, a lot of times they have tried to coach their own children. Usually, and, yeah. <laughs> and I think if I had a, a dime for how many times I've heard a parent say, hey, I, I, they won't listen to me anymore. So that's a lot <laughs> of the reason why I need you. <laughs> I want to hire you because I'm, they just, they're done. And so I commend yeah. a lot of those parents because they've, yeah. they've done their job and there comes a point where the parent uh, maybe didn't have uh, much experience playing other than like high school or maybe they played rec ball. Maybe they know their stuff. But, you know, at some point that, that uh, player wants to see something. Uh, they want to see someone who has gone beyond 
And, you know, I always encourage the parents. They're doing a great job, and I'm more than happy to be a part of their team and kind of fill in that role of coach and, and you know, just to hone what they've already done. So I usually team up with the parents and, and mm-hmm. say, hey, I got your back. You know, we're mm-hmm. just going to continue to grow here. And they're usually very happy to hear that and, and continue to invest in the training. I think that's an excellent point because it's really all about the team. You know, um, you know mm-hmm. they, they, that's where the kids live. Um, and so basically you're going to have to sort of incorporate the parents into the overall plan, and it sounds like you definitely are doing that as part of the team. Oh, that's really, yeah. really exciting. So what, what about yeah. your personal goals? Um, you've got mm-hmm. so much right now on your plate or so many uh, potential mm-hmm. opportunities here um, with mm-hmm. the business and with this Guinness World Record holder mm-hmm. um, title. Uh, what are your personal goals? So what I would like to do, I've got a really unique and creative idea for mm-hmm. a sponsor, um, and it's yeah. going to increase their market share. It's going to make people turn their heads and say, wow, you know, why didn't I think of that? And so I really hope, you know, that maybe someone out there listening or, you mm-hmm. know, I've been reaching out uh, and not getting much love back, but I'm going to keep going and be assertive and, and see what happens here. But it is something that I want to build around shooting. And um, mm-hmm. there are some things that I believe will benefit every player at every level and the sponsorships for it, uh, mm-hmm. the sponsorship for this idea will help create more and more competitive market against some of the more dominant brands. So you'll be able to get players that you probably wouldn't have gotten. And this idea also will allow you to assess players, you know, throughout the country in a, in a way that you've never thought of before. So that is where I want to go. Now, I would also, you know, enjoy an opportunity to possibly work for an NBA team uh, as a shooting coach and as a uh, player development coach, but I do think there's more of an opportunity to touch more players mm-hmm. just as uh, the marksman, Mr. Basketball Skills Training, and kind of working with that autonomy and a sponsor. So I think that's the number one goal. Uh, but if I have to get on a team to, to get there, mm-hmm. I'll do that as well. So whatever mm-hmm. it takes. So you're open. Um, that's how I'm you open. got to. That's how you got to where you are right now. That's why we're doing this interview because you're, you're <laughs> open <laughs> to ideas and you can go with it, whatever comes yeah. your way. And so you say to a sponsor. I mean, really. So the biggest thing for a sponsor is, you know, by having. Um, them as a sponsor, it increases their ability to to what? So if, if by sponsoring it it vets your idea, so people start mm-hmm. to say, okay, yes, we see what you've done individually, we see your accolades, but the sponsor from you know a Nike, an Under Armour, mm-hmm. Reebok, Adidas, mm-hmm. you know any any sponsor out there, what they say is they're they'll find you, um, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes they don't find you. You have to come knocking on their door. And what it does is it validates your talent. It validates what you're bringing. Um, And and in a capitalist society, there's also that potential there for everyone. And then representing representing them morally in the community, um, you know, that it's a win-win for everyone. But what it does is it allows other athletes and other players, serious basketball players, Mm-hmm. And now start taking you seriously. You know, you've mm-hmm. done some things, and you'll get you'll get some credibility off of a world record and, and some things like that. But now, a sponsor invests, 
Mm-hmm. You know, now you have agents wanting to say, okay, what are you doing here? You've got players saying, okay, this sponsor is willing to take a chance with you. You must have something I need. And so I think but that's it, helps, the next it, it helps the sponsor as well because they've got oh. something real here that's, you know, that's, yes. that's real, authentic, yes. you know? Yeah, the sponsor is going to benefit mm-hmm. exponentially. I mean, that mm-hmm. is like, far, I mean, that's obvious there. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully, you know, somebody jumps on that because I got something really good. Oh, yeah, there's more in the works. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. But you're not giving it away on the Common Good Show here. With you got that right. <laughs> so we'll have to come back and we'll have to do another interview to hear what that is because I suspect that, you know, it's going to be something really good. Oh, it's going to be good. And hopefully I'll have a sponsor by then because I don't want to spill any beans before then. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jason, thank you so, so much for being on the show. I and I wish you all the best. Um, you've got some great things going, but, you know, I, I, I just know that your faith, because um, I know we've had some conversations off camera, you're a Bible school um, mm-hmm. teacher, and, you know, how, how has that helped um, to play into mm-hmm. your, your just ability, your faith, and your strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the spiritual foundation, it mm-hmm. keeps you humble, and mm-hmm. it, it gives you perspective about this short life that we have to live and this short mm-hmm. window we have to serve others. That's what it comes down to, mm-hmm. service. And, um, you know, if you start putting things in front of that, like idolizing things in the wrong order, that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with having mm-hmm. goals, nothing wrong with having ambition. But mm-hmm. if things are out of order, it can really mislead you, and, and, and now – you know, you got to give account, you know, on that last day, that last breath. So my my main goal and number one goal is to get to heaven in the end, and that will never change regardless of how much money is out there, how much opportunity, how much recognition. My soul is priceless. And so that's what the the Word of God does for me. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me Mm -hmm. uh, in perspective. And it also allows me to move on. Let's say this doesn't work out, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. then I can do something else and and still serve and, and be filled. And so that's where that helps. Well, amen to that. Thank you again, Jason. I really, really appreciate your being on the show with your wealth of information and knowledge, and congratulations again. Oh, thank you so much. This show has been awesome. Uh, Juanita, very gracious and the best interview I've ever had. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you. And thank you for listening to another show, The Common Good Show with Juanita. You can catch us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, WDJY 99.1 FM out of Atlanta. Um, If you're outside of the Atlanta metro area, just www.wdjyfm.com and just click on that link. I am really, really excited to bring you top quality shows and you have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Common Good Show with host Juanita. 